Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City. From an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I've uh, some bad news to report, Andrew. Hmm. You're not going to like it. It's it's good news, but it's also like quite bad considering the mood it's going to put you in. I don't know if you saw 17-year-old Rooney Bargy's penalty for FC Copenhagen against Sparta Prague, which helped them advance in the Champions League qualifiers. It was a Panenka, Andrew. Yeah, of course I saw it. Anytime a Panenka happens anywhere on the globe, my my Twitter account lights up with mentions. And I try to explain to people that the bigger the stage, the more you push against this this uh, this this style of penalty. Correct. I think in testimonials and friendlies, it's generally fine. Um, High stakes games in the Champions League. Right. Ma- matches to decide whether or not a relatively small club that doesn't have these opportunities all that often advances to the Champions League, then not so much. Who was it, JJ? Jonathan Bostock. Didn't he do it in a in one of the uh in like the league in the non-league playoff yeah, this past the, year and missed, pro- but his teammates picked him up? Like then yeah. no, not okay. Please don't not the moment to make the moment about yourself. Just not. I, I- and he he released a hype video afterwards, or a, a post hype video, uh, giving his reasoning for doing it, and it showed all the Penyankas that he'd converted in the regular season. And I would like to point out to Mister Bostock, that's the regular season, friend. None of those matter when it comes to the big day. Yeah, not the time nor the place. If people can present statistics to me that show that it's actually safer than a regular penalty, uh, then I might consider easing off my stance but no no it's just just smash it home 
Just I, do I it. I love how way. hardline you are on this. It's it's, and I agree with you. I do agree with you. you What's in the right, show? Right next Andrew? to me on the bench. What Apart a show. from your derision. Yeah, what a show. What a show. There's there's a little bit of uh, breaking news regarding the U.S. women's national team. Not necessarily shocking breaking news, but breaking news nonetheless. So we'll talk about that. Um, a huge injury blow to Manchester City. We'll talk about that injury and just how impactful or not impactful it might be on whatever they're going to do this season. Obviously, we've got stuff to recap from the Women's World Cup semifinals. Start looking ahead to the final this weekend. Leagues Cup semifinals. Oh, oh got some thoughts there. Um Yeesh. And then, a, and then a few kind of random stories from around the globe, uh, like we always do, that we'll get to before the end of the show, including some of the contract stipulations in Neymar's deal and uh, his move to Saudi Arabia. Pretty, pretty eye-opening. Um, so I'm going to assume he's going to need space for friends in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So we'll if, we'll get. If... Yeah. yeah. Lots of friends. Lots and lots of friends in a house that has 25 bedrooms. But we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But, JJ, we'll start uh, with the U.S. women and the breaking news. By the way, I should say, regarding the breaking news, props to uh, Lizzie Becherano, friend of the of the podcast, who broke the story for uh, 90minutes.com, 90min.com with Emily Kyo. They kind of they broke that story together. So good for her. Congratulations on that. Nice, yeah, nice we, uh Yeah, we know her from, from days of yore. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but the breaking news is that Vladko Andonovsky is set to resign uh, as the U.S. Women's National Team manager. We all knew this was coming. You simply cannot be the number one ranked team in the world and settle for a bronze medal in the Olympics and then in the ensuing major tournament after that, the the Women's World Cup, go out in the round of sixteen. The earliest exit that this program has ever experienced just can't happen. Just can't happen. Uh, he seems, by all accounts, like a great guy. I think it's why he was hired in the first place. I think there were some questions yeah. about just how qualified he was for this job. But coming off of um, Jill Ellis, a manager that a lot of the players were not fond of, it seemed like it was, you know, that's how, you know how these things go. It goes from like teams, teams seesaw sometimes between player-friendly manager, difficult manager, player-friendly, difficult. And, and they go back and forth. Um, and so Vladko, his time comes to an end. And it is, unfortunately for him, um, not a time that will be looked back upon fondly uh, by those uh, in and around, JJ, the uh, U.S. Women's National Team program. No, uh, it was failure, really, Um, starting with the Olympics. Um, Also, as well, I think he was tasked with a job that is always a tricky job, especially in international football. He was asked to take the shackles off. Now, this is he's not taking the shackles off a team that had tons and tons of talent but was being kind of held back by its conservative coach from achieving its, its aims. The conservative coach that went beforehand had won two World Cups on the bounce. So he's come in and he's been tasked to play a different style or a more expansive style, and it did not work. Uh, the U.S. got worse under his tenure, less solid, uh, certainly in tournament play. It also kind of showed up everything in between. There was a lot of friendlies where alarm bells were ringing. Even if the U.S. won, the, the style of play and the general, um, just general reactions to those games was weren't good his he can't you can't you just the way this program rightly or wrongly has now positioned itself 
anything short of winning the whole entire World Cup is failure. And he was miles off it. Like to go out in the second round outside of the group stage, the round of 16, just miles off it. And so yeah. he did, he, he did the only thing he could do. And that was resigned. But I have some sympathy because I think if, if you watch not all, but a lot of the teams we've seen in this World Cup, there's a, there's a technical gap. Like, and, and a, I would say a stylistic gap, like the way the top European sides are playing now versus the way the US play, we we seem as if we've fallen behind. And that's not his fault. That cannot be seen as all entirely his fault. There's coaching reasons. Uh, but he but um, he is the coach. Yeah, yeah, but I don't he's not responsible for I suppose he is responsible for the style of play of the the national team. But I don't think he was able to arrest like decades of playing a certain way. Like the US just, I mean, it was a departure from Jill Ellis. They were, I think, better um, in, in some ways. Or sorry, not better, but more expansive. But they weren't better. And I, I just thought there was a technical gap, Andrew. He's not responsible for technique. He can't be. Um, but the US looked very kind of one-paced, stodgy, whereas everybody else seemed to have more more cohesiveness, more fluidity. And and that was the big thing. And I don't blame him for that entirely because that's part of, of a larger program of player development. And he's at the very top of that and he can only deal with what he has. You don't get technically better at 24 or 25 years of age or that's just not the way it works. So yeah. I have some I, sympathy for I think that this job wound up yeah i i do i have i have some sympathy for him as well for a few reasons i guess i think for one um this assignment in this world cup was more difficult than i think many of us understood in the moment and now with a little bit of hindsight um i i think we can we can see that i think with all those injuries you know we we mentioned them we said that they were important but all we really know with the us is winning and we still, even the backups to these injured players are still prominent names in the sport. So I think we all just took for granted and thought, oh, yes, I mean, Katarina Macario was their highest finisher in the Ballon d'Or, but whatever. Like, we still have this, you know, we still have Alex Morgan and Sophia Smith looks great and and so on and so forth. So we'll be fine. You know, yeah, Mallory Pugh scored all of our goals in the like last three months leading up to this tournament. And she's out now, but like, that's okay. They'll figure it out. Trinity Rodman is a rising star. And I think like because of the way in which the rest of the world has narrowed the gap with the US which has been covered extensively i think we've all come to find out that no like you can't just lose a few of your best players in an area of the game where you struggle to begin with which is scoring goals and expect things to be fine so yeah i mean look some of it is vladko but uh, some of it is that yeah injuries are not always excuse making sometimes like we say they are reasons and i think the us missed some of those players greatly um yeah and he also he i mean he also uh, again to i uh, i don't want to let him off the hook i want him firmly on the hook here um like some of his substitutions didn't make sense uh i think although lack I, of lack of although i thought i knew what he was doing uh, in the netherlands game i would happily say i was wrong about that um in hindsight and i think his decision at a crucial moment in the Sweden game to bring on to bring in like the the, the judgment to bring in Megan Rapino 
absolutely crazy. And to have her take set pieces then made made no sense. To give her almost to just hand her charge of the of 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 of, of the direction of that game from an offensive standpoint was just crazy. I mean, what yeah. he thought he saw uh, in a player that was so washed throughout this tournament, so absolutely done, um, brings into question his judgment um, and his management nose and his tactical nose. Um, and, and you know, there was, there was you know, I, I was reading the New York Times, they, they described exciting newcomers like Ashley Sanchez and 18-year-old Alyssa Thompson barely paid, played. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I don't know. I just, I, there was only one way this was going to go and he I know. got out. He he got out before before the axe inevitably fell. Yeah, you, you know the thing though. Like I think if you're Vladko, just like putting myself in his shoes for a moment, I think you understand this. I don't, you know, I, I think he knew what what the the objectives were, and I you can clearly see that they were not achieved. Like there's no there's no gray area here. But if you are him, I do think that there's a You'll always there's always going to be a little bit of what if moving forward because yes the, what we saw from the U.S. in this tournament was disappointing they won one game against Vietnam and it was entirely unimpressive um, so like that that's what we know however the best performance that they had in this tournament without a doubt was the game that they wound up going out of this tournament against Sweden and I think if you're Vladko there's always going to be a part of him that will wonder. You know, maybe we did figure it out that night. And maybe if we had just, if Sophia Smith had just converted a penalty, not to put it all on her, you know, Megan Rapino missed her penalty. Kelly O'Hara missed her penalty. The U.S. didn't score a goal in, in regulation. Like there were a lot of other chances. But if Sophia, but ultimately, if Sophia Smith makes a penalty, the U.S. win that game. It's as simple as that. I think he'll always wonder maybe it, it had clicked against Sweden, who we came to find out were really good. And could have just could have very well found themselves in the final. Well, they weren't really good. I mean, they were okay. They were no, against not... the U.S. They were the U.S. outplayed them, but lost the yeah. game. But and I'm saying they, that they... Sweden have gone on like they almost beat Spain. Mm. You know, it was tied in the 88th minute. I know. You know, so I I think that he will always have a part of him that will think maybe we like the trajectory was finally turning, and this group that needed a few games to figure it out maybe they had, and we'll never know. We'll never know. I don't I think, think that's that. unfortunate. I, I really... I don't think they had. I thought I thought they played better, but I, 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 yeah. I mean, he didn't figure out that forward line. In 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 light of losing those players, he couldn't come up with a solution. And Alex Morgan continued to play and continued to play poorly. And uh, and at some point, he should have just said, "This isn't working," and and not started it or hooked her or or done something. And he didn't. That's all management as well. So. You can you can put it down to that penalty. Sure, they were that close. I think again, I, I quote the New York Times. There was very good finish to the article by Andrew Das and Claire Fahey, where they said um, it was millimeters that denied the U.S. from advancing. But with Andonovsky, he was miles off. It's basically how how yeah. they kind of put it together. And I think overall he was. By the um, way, I mean, just as easily, like we can sit here. I'm going to contradict myself just for a moment, a little bit, and say just as easily as saying Sophia Smith makes that penalty to the U.S. advance, just as easily as Portugal don't hit the post. Oh, for God's sake, yeah. In the 91st Absolutely. minute of the, the yeah, end of the group I, stage, I, they don't even get out of the group. Yeah, no, and it's right that you said that because because that was it. The yeah. U.S. were not scoring in that game. 
and it was so late. That would have been it. So yeah, that, they would have been done in the group. It, it could have been much worse. So I guess we should just deal with what we know mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than doing the what ifs. Um, the next what if with this is, or not what if, but the next question is who will be the next manager for this team? It's obviously Phil Neville. <laughs> well, then I'm excited for whoever comes after him because Phil Neville now has put together a nice track record of, of the next manager being really, really good wherever it wherever he goes um both with the england women and and with inter miami uh i mean look the u.s for whatever for whatever moment of low morale they're in and high morale seemingly the rest of the world is in um it is still you can make a case that it is still very much the most high profile job in women's soccer today and so with that i think the u.s would be well within their rights to identify who is the most highly regarded manager in women's soccer today. And right now it's Serena Wiegman with England. Um, the job that she did at the Netherlands, taking over that job uh, and winning a European championship, getting to a world cup final, losing to the U S but I think uh, having a good account of themselves going to England, winning a European championship and now in a world cup final again. I mean, she's, she's it right now. So I'm sure they will be knocking down her door. Now, whether or not she chooses to leave England, I think her contract runs through 2025 and the U.S. are going to want a permanent replacement well before then because we've got an Olympics next summer. And unlike with the men, I mean, in in the men's game, the Olympics are something, but in the women's game, they're very important. Uh, and so the U.S. are going to need a commitment from somebody before that. They're not going to wait for that contract to expire. So I don't know that it's hard for me to envision her leave. If England win the World Cup, it's hard for me to envision her leaving. Um but she may want to defend the European Championships in two years' time. Yeah, I mean the That's U.S. The, will have to. The U.S. will have to blow her away financially. But they can, and they and and you know, I mean, there's no more mountains left to climb if they if if they win the World Cup. I mean, she'll have done it. You want to walk out in a high, and w- what better option than to move to the United States and try and and uh, rebuild that program? I I I think it, there's a career arc there. Um, yeah. But we'll see. And the other, just the other two names quickly, Laura Harvey is one that I think you're going to hear a lot about. She might even be considered the favorite for this. Um, had success with Arsenal. She's been an NWSL manager now for a period of time with uh, OL Reign. Um, so I think that's one that you're going to hear a lot about. And then another one that's interesting, JJ, is Tony Gustafson of Australia. Um, I mean, he was an assistant for the U S women for under, under Pia Sundhaga and under Jill Ellis, he was there for what, five, six years. He knows the setup very well. I think a lot of people thought he was going to get the job at a certain point. He didn't, he was passed over. Um, Now he's gone shown that he can succeed in the international game with uh, a women's soccer team. He did it with Australia, getting them to a semifinal. Uh, So I think his name might be one that you'll, you'll hear as well. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. Yeah. I, I wonder if, if US soccer may not want to appoint someone who's already been involved with, with coaches before. That you're um, right. That but yeah, could I be don't a knock know. against them. I don't know, but it's time to, to yeah. take their time and get the decision right. Yeah. Ah, actually there's some breaking news. It's uh they've decided it. it's gonna be Bearhalter. He's yeah. gonna do both. He's gonna double job it. He's gonna do both. And being the most popular man in US soccer. He's going to, he's going to just be welcomed with open arms. He's going to do both things. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Vladko, a job done. 
I suppose. Uh, let's see. We continue, JJ. We'll get back to Women's World Cup in a moment. But before that, um, just wanted to update the Kevin De Bruyne injury situation. Oh, I mean, it was it was really sad to see him go down with that injury after the the final image of him from the previous season was grabbing that hamstring. And then the first image of him the following season is the same um, for a player who has been one of the greats in this league for an era. It's a, it's, it's sad to see. And the news was not great for anybody who was hoping maybe it was a mild strain, you know, a few weeks, a month, something like that. Uh, uh-uh. It's going to be according to Pep, at least three to four months. Uh, there are some reports that are saying it could be more. Um, there's some reports suggesting that he might need surgery. So at this point we don't know, but, but I'll tell you this, you're not seeing Kevin De Bruyne anytime before new year's. And, uh, that is, that is important. However, it's Manchester city. So the question must always be asked, no matter who the player is that is injured, we must always ask the question of just how important is it? Now we have, there is precedent here. Uh, in the 2018-19 season, Kevin De Bruyne dealt with injuries and he started just 11 games for Manchester City in the league. And in 2018-19, Manchester City finished first with 98 points. Ridiculous. So, how important is it? It's it's very important. Um, so, so it's it's a different city now. Um, I think first thing to say is a lot's going to fall on Phil Foden in terms of creativity, Jack Grealish too. Mm-hmm. This is a team that doesn't have Mars and Gundogan anymore. Um, and as was pointed out today on second captains by uh, Ken Early, um, there isn't another player that City can go out and get that's Kevin De Bruyne. There's nobody as good as him uh, anywhere. He is not replaceable in what he does. Now, you can argue that City can still be very, very good without him, and they can be, but he is an intangible. He is something that uh, changes the face of that team in terms of creativity, in terms of, of, of how the side play, and him being gone is an absolute blow, and there's no point saying otherwise. Now, will that mean that they push harder for so, for another bit of attacking talent to come in? Will they, will they go hell for leather for either Matoma? I doubt it will be Matoma. Um, which was one of the rumors last week, or will it? Will they continue to pursue Paqueta at West Ham? For and that will probably cost them big money, even though <laughs> he's not been great at West Ham. He's not exactly been a perfect fit there, but his talent is still very much recognized. So, of course, he's an injury blow. I know what you said about eighteen nineteen. I know there's been times when we've. We've said, uh-oh, De Bruyne's got a knock. He's out for the next few games. How will City do? And they do just fine. But I I still think that any team that would lose a player of his stature and his ilk is diminished by it. And there's no point looking at it any other way. Uh, I love that guy. He's one of my all-time favorite players. You know, I, I every year except this year when I listed Jack Grealish as my preseason player of the year candidate, uh, De Bruyne is my pick every year. I've been right some years. I've been wrong others, but he's my pick every year. Um, having said that, I I just trust. <laughs> I just have seen Man City do it so many times with so many different players stepping up at different points in a season. Um, the what the regard I hold Holland in, 
obviously the leap that I think Grealish is about to take. Um, I trust Phil Foden as a creative playmaker. I think he can do it. I think Kovacic doesn't need to be De Bruyne, but I think that he can provide at least some of that creativity in, in the passing game. Um, and Pep, obviously, is is right now, for me, the greatest manager on the planet. Um, I, I hate to say because I don't want to diminish the value of Kevin De Bruyne in any way. I really do think if we were making a list of the best players in the Premier League of the last decade, he might be number one. Um, I, I really believe that. But I'm going to need to see City suffer before I actually think that they will. It's just I one of those if, things. I'll, I'll have to see it. I think if if things are going bad and they don't have him to turn to, uh, I think I think it's going to be interesting. And, um, and that hamstring at 32 to do it again a few months later with you imagine all the rehab he did during the summer. I know. He's probably crushed. Oh, he probably is. That's and if it requires surgery, we may not. I mean. I I just anytime I hear about a player over the age of thirty going going under the knife for any reason, it just I I I mean I don't like it. Yeah, I it remains to be seen, Andrew. But like I mean, what are we saying here? Yes, he's he's an outstanding player, mm-hmm. and uh, and we'll just have to see how City cope without him. If there's a team that can cope without him, it might be them. Well, to a certain extent, they coped earlier today. They won the UEFA Super Cup. Um, no, that's not they coping. won on well, they won. It's a trophy on that they won. All right. I mean, they won. I don't know. Um, I mean, literally the crossbar won it for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, what do we make of this game? I, I'd forgotten it was on until you text me. And then I watched highlights. I, I genuinely had. Um, what did I like? Nazari's header was just so good for the opener for Sevilla. And it was uh, Jesus Navas. Haunting, uh, haunting Man City again, uh, with a great cross at his old side. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cole Palmer took his goal very well. Maybe we're not talking enough about him. What, mm-hmm. what, what impact can he make? I mean, he's so highly rated. Looks like he's going to be more prominent in the side now. Took his goal very well. A little header. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's it. Pep looked really, really happy to have won the Super Cup. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Another trophy for 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 the trophy cabinet for good old Pep. Yep, there you go. Um, so we'll see. I mean, right now it's all speculative as to what city are going to be without De Bruyne. So we'll we'll just have to, we won't know until we see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I feel bad like I, I'm diminishing him. That's not what I'm trying to do. But no, no, no. I just I just trust that team. But like it's it's one of these topics when you see it on the rundown, you're like. Okay, what do I say here? Oh, it's a blow. He's a class player. How will City do without him? But you know what? City are a good side. They've, if anyone can absorb it, they can. Like, it's one of those where you're like, there's only so much you can say, and we just have to wait and see. It's yeah. literally wait and see. Yeah. Um, so we will. Uh, let's shift back now to the Women's World Cup and the semifinals. Man, a couple really, really fun days in this tournament with these semis. Uh, England defeat Australia and Sydney. They advance to the, uh, the Women's World Cup final. And Spain stunned Sweden in a crazy final 10 minutes of that game, a dramatic late winner. Um, I get, we'll, we'll roll through some of these thoughts. I think England-Australia is probably where I would, I would rather start. Um, and as I was watching this play out, you know, there's a lot of different elements of this game that I want to get to. But as I was watching this one play out, 
you know, Sam Kerr, we'll talk about her goal, but she scores that goal. And then right after it, she gets another opportunity with almost a free header. Um, but she just puts it a little too central and, and Earps is able to make the save. But as this was happening, I was thinking about the quote from Karen Carney that I read the other night when she talked about, I don't have it in front of me, but she basically said the only time she's seen England drop their heads uh, under this manager was the friendly back in April against this very same Australian team, the only team to yes. have beaten England in their last 37 matches. And so I thought about that and I thought, oh, is it is it happening again? Kerr scores a stunning goal that in, not only the whole stadium, like the whole country <laughs> felt like it was lifted in that moment. That place was electric. They come right back with another opportunity and you think, oh, maybe it's maybe what she talked about is happening again. Maybe Australia are, are doing it to them again. But I think when you look back on it, the goal that England scored just a few minutes after that, which just silenced all of the momentum that Australia um, were building, I think, I mean, look, obviously, Chloe Kelly's winner for England against Germany in the European Championships is, is probably the biggest goal that has ever been scored for the England women's national team. But I think I think that goal right after um, from Lauren Hemp, I think it's right there. I, I I mean, I think it's right there with it in terms of most important goals that have been scored by an England female player. I think it, with the momentum that it felt like Australia were gaining, if England didn't have a quick response, you don't know how that game's going to go. And she look, she took advantage of some horrible defending, disastrously bad defending. Um, but she pounced on that and made the most of the opportunity and finished well. And it changed. I mean, who knows? It, it could have. It could possibly be a history changing moment. England could go on to win the world cup. Now that was just, just felt like such a big moment and one that England so desperately needed to avoid a repeat of what happened in that friendly. There was a camera angle of Kerr celebrating and the stadium popping off and England players looking absolutely deflated with their hands on their knees. And I immediately thought, okay, is this on? Because Australia were desperate in the first half, really poor. Mm-hmm. And England were just comfortable in control, and 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 you thought maybe this this can swing the momentum because it certainly sw- swung the momentum in the stands. The crowd had been very very quiet, um, but England's quality at times, Andrew, um, particularly down that right hand side, um, Millie Bright, at one point in the second half, drilled a forty yard pass to Lucy Bronze who's marauding down the right right hand side and she delivered across and um it was cleared but England looked like Alicia Russo uh I'm not I'm not saying that Australia's their their momentum changing goal wasn't the thing that happened. It was, but they did not show the quality throughout that game. And England, even under pressure, still were able to do that. And I actually think the uh, the Toon goal is uh, Ella Toon's goal in, in the first half is kind of been lost in the whole uh, the whole joy around uh, Sam Kerr's brilliant goal too. But Ella Toon's finish was superb, absolutely brilliant, and that was a nice move down the left hand side from the throw in. Um, England, I think, looked when it mattered considerably better and more composed than Australia. But you're right, there was. You could argue there was there was three chances. There was the the actual goal that went in from Kerr. There was four. There was two headers that she should have probably done better with. Yeah. And then there was the ball that dropped to her 
it's it, it felt as if it sat up right underneath the crossbar and she just shanks it. She's going to have like Wando she, nightmares about that moment. I, I really, I, I, I think that's going to haunt her. I think it will too, because it's, it's okay to say, uh, well, you know, there were still defenders between her, but the defenders were on the line and a player of her power. I, I expected the net to absolutely bulge. Yeah. And she was, she was visibly distraught. So she actually, of all the chances she got, I mean, the goal she scored wasn't even really a chance. It was a blast from about 25 yards. <laughs> she made that all herself. It was actually the, the more close-in opportunities that she'll, that she'll probably rue. Yeah. Before we get to that Kerr goal, one last bit on England for me. Um, boy, the, you know, we spent so much time, kind of like with the U.S., in the build-up to this tournament, a lot of time. Uh, was spent on discussing the English players who would not be at this tournament. Um, you know, they're starting 11 at the European Championship final last summer and this World Cup semifinal starting 11. Like, there are significant differences between them in just one year. Yeah, no, no, no Williamson, no Meade, no Kirby, no Ellen White. Um, and then, like, now you look at this tournament and the, the names that have emerged, like Lauren James, who was not even available for this, 21 years old, three goals, three assists. You know, watching this game, Lauren Hemp was unbelievable. She's 23. Alessia Russo, who you mentioned, one been one of the huge stars of this tournament for England, scored a goal to seal it. She's 24. Ella Toon, who you just mentioned, she's 23. Like, all of a sudden, we are now seeing a pipeline emerge of of young English talent that it's it's getting you know they won a european championship they're in a world cup final and like where is the ceiling with the amount of talent that is now a part of this squad it's it's uh it's pretty incredible to see that country has invested in women's soccer i'm sure they could still do more but they over the last several years they've invested and i think you're seeing that bear fruit over these last couple of years this is and what it looks you- like it feels like only a couple of tournaments ago because it was. Was it 2015 that in Canada they had that run to the quarterfinal and um, the whole country got behind them, but it was seen something uh, something of a novelty. You know, they, they just weren't considered this power. And within the space of three tournaments, including the European Championships, they've, they've completely uh, flipped that, that switch and, and, the, and the talent that's been... I suppose on the pipeline in the pipeline for years has burst through the development of the league um, in England has been huge. It's now challenging the NWSL as a destination. Um, yeah. And, you know, so like all that hard work is, is, is bearing fruit. And I have to say Australia were brilliant throughout this tournament. Um, we have, we have Australian listeners, Andrew. And uh, so we should, it's only fair we should we should mention them. Uh, Nathan C. As a Nazi, I'm crushed, but proud of what our girls have achieved, and proud of what our country has achieved. I have relatives who who have never had an interest in football previously, who have planned entire evenings around this. Hard to describe the feels right now. Um, also, this is a thing: biggest broadcast ever, sporting or otherwise, in this country, mm. supposedly not a football country. So, like. As much as I say, I thought there was a significant gap in quality at times between England and, and Australia. Australia have had a brilliant tournament and they are coming. Who's to say they're not a coming force um, going forward too? And uh, and I was sorry for them. Obviously, I'm going to shout for anyone that plays England. So <laughs> I was when Sam Kerr scored that goal, I was... So I got up super early this morning because I had to watch. I wanted to watch that game at six, but I wanted to work out. So I'm cycling around in torrential rain 
um, just make sure I got my workout in. So I'm back on the on, on the sofa, kind of trying to dry off. And uh, it, it was a thoroughly enjoyable game of football, but Australia did themselves no favors in the first half. I honestly didn't see that kind of onslaught that came after the Kerr goal coming. England weathered the storm. England were more clinical. And that's it, really. They're in the final. And it's because of those reasons. Um, I just want to say what you just touched on. The Sam Kerr goal. I know Australia did not win this game. And I know for an Australian fan, ultimately, that is what matters. But I will say this. That goal is a forever moment. It was incredible for to fall to her and the way it played out because it was it was kind of a it took a little bit of time to develop. So there was like there was time for the whole place to rise and like watch this and like yes. you could hear the anticipation in the noise of that place as it was all developing. Sam Kerr taking on two English defenders like you could just see this happening and as it's developing, I don't remember who the Australian player was, but you've got an Australian player who's kind of streaking from behind. And as I'm watching, I'm thinking, make the pass, make the pass. And she doesn't. She takes it herself. And from 25 yards out for that player to score that goal in that moment in her home country, coming off of an injury, it's a forever moment. It's incredible. And I think it's you don't see it very often, but like I have some of those that even in, in teams that I rooted for, even in defeat, every once in a while, I'll go back. Like It might be a game I want to forget, but I can't help but still get chills from the moment. Like I think about like if we're going to talk about national teams, when like in the 2010 Olympics, when Zach Parise scored for the U.S. hockey team against Canada in the gold medal game with 24 seconds left to force overtime. They lost in overtime when Jerome McGinley scored, but the Parise goal, I'll never forget it the rest of my life. You know, you have those moments. And I think if you're an Australian fan right now, it hurts. But I think a week from now, you're going to go back on YouTube and you're going to rewatch that goal over and over because the goal itself was amazing. The noise that it generated, the way that country felt in that moment. I don't think Australian fans, I don't think they'll ever forget it. And I think in time they'll they'll have, it's a weird spot in your heart to have a moment from a, a game that you lost that you cherish. But I think I think this qualifies. I think it was that cool of a moment. Yeah, I've just realized I've misread the situation somewhat because we were talking about this today and I was like, I, now I get what you're saying. In defeat, there can be these special moments like Shane Long's goal against France at uh, Euro 2016 to put Ireland 1-0 up. Like the feeling of going ahead against the French, that'll stay with me. Yeah. Um, Ireland going 2-1 up against Italy at Crow Park in, in, in qualifying for the 2010 uh, World Cup. You know, that, that, that'll that stick with me too. And even though in the end, the Italians equalized and ultimately Ireland ended up in the playoff and we know how that went down. But but yeah, no, I, 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 get, I, I get where you're coming from. I made a list and it's more, it's more of the quality of goal in a defeat. And that's not really what you're going for, is it? No, not really. No. But, well, I'm going to read it off anyways. Just for <laughs> like I'm ta- like what I'm talking about is like like I know it ended in a tie, so not necessarily a loss, but like Lee Griffith's second goal for Scotland against England. Yeah. Yeah. A forever moment. 
forever. Yes. I know Kane equalized moments later as as time was winding down, but like the uh, if you're a Scottish fan, I think you still have a place in your heart for that second Lee Griffith goal. You'll never forget it. If you were at that game and in that moment, you were you were in such ecstasy that it's impossible for those for those those synapses that happened in your brain to create that like joy, that joygasm. You'll never forget it. Yeah. You'll never forget it. Like my uh, my uh, when the Eagles were in the 2008 NFC Championship, they were getting killed by the Cardinals, and they came. They were coming back, coming back, and then Deshaun Jackson scored in the fourth quarter to take the lead on like a 60 yard bomb. And like I was watching at Woji's and like the uh, the Cardinals came right back down. They drove downfield and won the game with under two minutes to go. But the, the Deshaun play, I'll never forget it. One of my buddies cried. There was still like eight minutes on the clock. But like you always you have that one phrase. That's not how joy works. It's not. It doesn't matter. Like, no, there's certain moments that just are they're like above whatever the like how much time is left or like I felt that way with the Manzukic goal. Uh, so for Juventus, Juventus against Real Madrid. That is that's the one that I had here. That goal, was it? I put yeah. that one down on my list as yeah his goal in the 2017 Champions League final. Yeah, because you thought you went into that game and you thought this Juventus side are good. Can they? Well, they turned out to be actually not that good and nothing compared <laughs> to Real Madrid. But but you thought they were good going into it and can they? Can they? Can they win the trophy? Here's my top three uh, consolation goals. So. Patrick Clivert against England, Euro 96. They're 4-0 down. And Bergkamp pulls this ball out of the sky. Like, he was so bloody elegant, that man. And plays a wonderful pass into Clivert, who finishes neatly. And it's just a great goal. And actually, if England had kept it 4-0, that would have meant England and Scotland qualified out of that group. But because England allowed one goal that eliminated Scotland, it's like... So funny, like England couldn't do anything for Scotland. Truly, truly the old enemy. Um, number two, this is an absolute belter that I actually Googled it because I needed a little bit of help and I'd forgotten about this one. Um, back in the days before, so 2008, so two years before the, the takeover um, by uh, the United Arab Emirates, um, Manchester City had become a new money club under uh, Taskin Shinawatra. Mm-hmm. but they got, they bought like the Brazilian Ilano and he scored an amazing goal in an 8-1 defeat. 8-1. No, this is, this. this. see, I don't know that these are forever moments. No, but they're not. It's not a forever moment, <laughs> but it was an amazing goal, an absolutely, truly amazing goal. Like he beats four or five defenders and wraps his foot around it and it flies into the top corner. But it was 7-0 at that point. <laughs> um the the Manchester City manager at the time was Sven Joran Eriksson. Oh yeah, wow. Yes. And number one is Benteke. Oh, this the I bicycle remember. kick uh, at Old Trafford um, in the I think it was a two one or a three one defeat. Um, we have oh, that. Or, we have the audio of that. Oh, can you play that? Because yeah. uh, I think it's Peter Drury and Jim Beglin on the call. I'll place it in. Benteke, wow! Incredible goal. Unbelievable goal, and and I remember watching that game. It was the day of my buddy's wedding, and we were kind. Of, I was in the wedding party, and we were kind of watching in like his like the suite beforehand. He's a Man United fan, and I believe that was also Anthony Martial's debut for United, and he had a spectacular goal in that game too. He did. He he scored at the Stretford end, I think it was. Um, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. So I remember that. Remember that one. Uh, 
By the way, yeah. I, I wonder too, if you asked a, a French fan, we might have just had one of these kinds of things when Mbappe scored in the 81st in the World Cup final against Argentina. Uh, certainly, a, for, certainly a forever moment, Andrew. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it was a, it was a forever day for Ed Davey, head of the Liberal Democrats. He tweeted a photo. What an amazing result. So proud of the Lionesses and excited for Sunday morning, said Ed, with a picture of him shaking his fist in jubilation. Uh, <laughs> people beside him in, in what looked like the most staged political photo you've ever seen. The the tweet, like if it if it was only the words, if he just tweeted the words, I think he's fine. But the photo, the photo is everything. It, it never ceases to amaze me how politicians they can't help it. No, but they 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 see football and they think I have to like it. I have to like it, or else there's just no hope of the common man voting for me. Um. And he's just there. And clearly, like, if I told you, shake your fist and gurn, that's what you do. <laughs> look, I'm OK if they like, look, if they want to, if politicians want to fake their love of a sport to try to connect with people, that's generally fine with me. OK, go ahead and do that. All I ask is that if you're going to do it, be human, like try to do it in a, as a human would like the picture that you take. Just have it be like just while you're watching a game, like don't it looks, stage this after the fact as like with the fist and like, it just, it's, they'd be, it's like a parody of itself. Do you know what's interesting as well? Um, it's not interesting. It's an observation. Uh, it reminds me of, you, you know, there's some uh, stores or, or companies and when the world cups on, they don't have official rights. So they can't use actual like imagery. Like so McDonald's can use Ronaldinho or whoever, like uh-huh. because they have a deal with FIFA to use their images. But some companies don't. This looks like um, if you Googled or you went to, to a stock image. Yes, it's uh, like place, a Getty image. And you and you and you Googled uh, football supporters. And this has been done in some studio in like. Derbyshire where where they make these things. That's what it looks like. Yeah, like you know the photos that like the onion uses yes. in their tweets. <laughs> yes. Area man concerned <laughs> over, you know, whatever. Like yeah. Area man pumps fist at television long after game had ended. One of their greatest ones was um uh <laughs> teenager who died will not be remembered by anyone. <laughs> And it just the article itself is just so scathing, but it has a picture of just some nondescript uh, kind of Marilyn Manson T-shirt wearing teenager. But now, this we, is what this... now, we should say oftentimes um, it's English politicians that kind of catch our ire in this. But but we are equal opportunists here. And it's really one of our own who's one of the all time offenders of this as we uh, as we turn back the clock, JJ, just a few months ago. under a year ago to the 2022 World Cup right here in the U.S. Let's take a listen. Hey, Mr. President, heads up. It's called soccer. Go USA. You guys are going to do it. Oh, that's that's the worst one. 
You pay, is it, it the worst? I think I think it's the worst because it's not just cringy. It's badly put together and makes no coherent sense. So Tyler Adams is bouncing the ball, Mr. President, and he boots it. And then it lands on the White House lawn. And there's Joe. And Joe goes, it's called soccer. Joe answering a question that wasn't asked. Like, <laughs> Hang on, yeah. what? And then it's a little folksy so- ad-libbing at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think they're, and, and Joe, what does he say? I think we're going, they're, they're going to get it done or something. They're going to do it's, it. They're going to do it. Yeah. It's not entirely sure what they're going to do, though. And I'm not sure it's sure to Joe either. I'm sure yeah. like some some aide handed him a scarf and said, uh, Mr. President, we have to do a soccer thing. And he's like, soccer. I haven't remembered. I haven't thought about soccer since 1975 when I went drinking with George Best. <laughs> ended, ended, ended up in a bar in Tuscaloosa just wearing my underpants. See, I always thought they got that one wrong. And like, if they wanted to involve Biden, it should have been like if I were directing it. Yeah. Adams, everything Adams did would have been the same. OK, you want to kick the ball to him. He gets it on the White House lawn. So it cuts to Biden. He can say that line. But then it's like a body double from behind of Biden. And he starts doing just like the most ridiculous, like keepy uppies, flicks it up in the air to himself, bicycle kick, like something, something crazy. And like that, that's what I would have done. I think I think the only thing we can thank the president, the uh, the current president for is that it, it was short but sweet. The cringe didn't it was last short, that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if it had been the previous president, hey, Mr. President, catch. And he would have caught it. And nice, nice kick, Tyler. Uh, not as good a kick as I was. I was uh, at military academy. I was a soccer star. You remember Gary. Gary doesn't remember, but that's OK. The do nothing Democrats. You know, it would have been just like ad-libbed. He wouldn't have been able to stick to a script. Right. They called me military Pele. Uh, people, I... people are saying I'm one of the greatest players not to have played the sport in America. A lot of people are saying it. Breitbart is saying it. You know, oh, Jesus. The West Point Pele. Yeah. Yeah. West... <laughs> yeah, he would have. He would have really taken soccer. He would have taken that and just ran with it. Oh, ran with it. Like, I mean, <laughs> it would, it, the sun would be coming up. And he'd still be going. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, we, we do love when the politicians get involved. I'll tell you I'll what, just, we'll go. I, what's I, a, what's I, I want them to stay out of it forever. Right. I, I, yeah. I should tell you that. I, I think Biden is a sportsman. I was at in 2009. I think it was. I was at a Phillies game that he was at um, when he was vice president. Phillies were playing the Pirates. He was sitting right behind home plate. Big Secret Service presence that day. Wow. OK. I was yeah. not my best self either. I'm glad oh, I didn't really? come across them. Oh, well, we used dumb. to do an annual Phillies tailgate party every year. And, uh, oh, oh, that day was, that was quite a day. You know, it, might, it might have even been the same day as that epic. Yeah, I think it was the same night. Um, the epic 4-2 U.S.-Mexico Gold Cup final at the Rose Bowl. Giovanni DeSantos scored that unbelievable. One of the greatest goals I've ever seen. Tip over Tim Howard. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. the, I think it was the same day. I think I remember watching it at McFadden's. I think that was when I was about the time I was finally coming to. Wow. Wow. We don't, we don't hear many stories of blackout Andy. I'm, I sound like the degenerate on this podcast. Cause I'm always talking about when I'm in the bar and this person I met in the bar and the, and the fans in the bar. Like we never hear well, about your drinking days. Well, you may not hear about them, but 
<laughs> they they exist. They occurred. They exist. Uh, by the way, in the interest yeah. of fairness and balance, we do have conservative listeners. So uh, not only is Joe Biden a sports fan, the former president, Donald Trump, was also a sports fan and owner of the New Jersey Generals and single handedly destroyed the USFL. So. Uh, that That's true. No, and it's a very good book by our friend uh, Jeff Perlman. Yeah. Um, called Small Potatoes: Who Killed the USFL? It's a whatever side of the political divide you find yourself on. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I don't know why I'm talking about it now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll go ahead. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Um, a couple other things we wanted to get to. Obviously, League's Cup semifinal stuff. Some Neymar stuff. A few other things as well. Uh, more caught offside still to come. Don't go anywhere. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Back now on Caught Offside. JJ, I've got a quick one for you here. Um, I I know what your answer will be on this, but I like to sometimes present you with these situations. I'm on the train tonight, literally tonight, right before this podcast, coming home from work on Metro North, not a subway, like regional rail. And when I tell you that my train car was like, was almost empty, I I mean it. Like there might have been, if there's, if there's 30 row, if there's 30 rows in a train car, Maybe like six of them were being used. And a middle-aged moron comes and sits down next to me. No. What what is uh, that? What the hell is that? Like you can't do that. I almost I, I almost wanted to say something. Like, sir, why? Just why? What are you doing here? Sit anywhere, anywhere else. Why are you doing this? Is That's- this a prank? Did he did he try and initiate conversation? No. Did he No, he picked he up didn't. a Kindle and he read. I don't and understand. Like, was it. it the seat across from you or right beside you? No, he sat next to me. Next oh, to me. No. Now it was no. a three seater, so we at least had the middle seat buffer, but still, why? What are you doing in this row? And I was trying to be like I wasn't going to say anything cuz I just wouldn't do that, but I was trying to like let I wanted him to see that I was moving my head and looking around at other seats like i wanted him to know but he was this guy was orbiting another planet middle-aged moron uh, i'm i'm sorry that is that is the seating equivalent of being in like one of those massive airport men's bathrooms and there's like 25 free urinals and there's one guy at the end and you go down and you use the urinal right beside him Right, and, and like and you look in, and you look in his eyes as you unzip, and you go, "Hey, man, how you doing today?" <laughs> I, 
I think that there are certain things in life that like at the beginning of each year before you like pay for your your first monthly train ticket of of the year or whatever, like I think you should have to take an annual test. I think there should be certain common sense questions that you have to answer to have the privilege to ride public transportation. And I think that would be one of them. In an empty train car with two seats being used, do you sit next to somebody? No. Sit somewhere else, fool. Doesn't make sense. I um I often think that the the public spaces, uh, on the certainly on the subway here in New York, you see crazy stuff. Like you do see genuinely crazy behaviors. And I just wonder if people they're so lonely. Like that guy just wanted to be close to someone, and he sat beside you. But he made no attempt to be social. It doesn't matter. He just he felt your warmth. He was in your <laughs> yeah. company. Ah, uh, stuff like that. It just can't happen. If we're going to have a functioning society, people can't act that way. No, I, I yeah. do agree with you. Uh, let's see. We'll get to Leaks Cup in just a sec. But before that, JJ, I want to remind everybody that support for Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. So join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com i think i'm due i think i'm due for one jj i went today i grabbed some scissors i thought ah, 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 not anymore doesn't need to be a bloody mess just needs to be a safe quick easy experience with manscaped i can't stress it enough i i look i look forward to it and and um i think i think probably towards the end of this week yeah i'm going to be doing one too and and i i welcome it because it's such a smooth easy process now where once it was a bloody, hairy, just a mess, patchy as well. Yeah. Now it's just a, a smooth, it's enjoyable. And in, in fact, I love going in and shaving my balls. Uh, so with this technology, they've got the skin safe technology. It helps reduce nicks, snags, tugs, all those in all those areas that you don't want those kinds of problems to occur. Um, so like we've been telling you, we can't stress it enough because it's such a great product and it's just so simple. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code caught offside, unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped JJ. We, uh, we got to talk about what happened in the league's cup semifinals yesterday. Um, I want to read you a quote. This uh, I saw ESPN FC, they, they bumped this quote. This was one from, uh, I guess, probably a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. Um, the quote is, he won't find it easy here. It sounds mad, but players who come in find it's a tough league. That was from Wayne Rooney before Lionel Messi's arrival. And I can only read that quote now and think that it's one of the most damning indictments on Ray- Wayne Rooney's career. <laughs> such a great player because um, Messi has taken that quote and made it an absolute effing joke. To say he's finding it easy is he's having a laugh. It's absolutely, it is. So um, when I was in school, in high school, um, a a contemporary of ours, he was a brilliant footballer, guy who went on to have like a 20-year League of Ireland career, uh, Rafael Cortaro. And he was so much better than everybody else. That when he did play in the yard, which wasn't often because he was always training at night or, or whatever. But when he did play in the schoolyard, he was just 
everything he did was so much better than everyone else. And it, it was so obvious. And this is what it reminds me of. And I hate to, to just like pour urine on the league. I don't want to do that, but I mean, it's been, it's been frightening. Absolutely frightening. Now, maybe, maybe when League's Cup is over and, and we get back into the, the grind of the actual league, maybe things become tougher for Messi. But I doubt it. I very much doubt it. I mean, Philadelphia are one of the best sides in MLS. They're, what, top two, three side for the last how many seasons? And almost, the, almost the last decade, you look at them as one of the most consistently like, I mean, strong. They, like, yeah, but, but yeah, in the, they, in the last five years, they're elite. I mean, they were ripped asunder, like whipped asunder. So, um, and, and yes. like Andre Blake is supposed to be one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And look, I mean, Messi just rips one from thirty yards. And, and now, but this is this on. is why this is why I don't use it as an indictment on the league because Andre Blake, it's not like he's supposed to be one of the best. This is one of your best. He is like he's one he's one of the best, if not the best, goalkeeper in this league. Three time MLS goalkeeper of the year. No one's done that before. Watching him last night, it wasn't like, yeah, I guess he's not that good after all. He he really is a great goalkeeper. I don't know what happened last night. I don't know if these guys are afraid, intimidated. Mm. He was Andre Blake. I've seen so I've seen ton, hundreds of his games. He's not bad. He's an excellent goalkeeper. He was coveted by Crystal Palace and Brighton a few years ago, but they couldn't get him because of work permit changes and Jamaica being outside the top fifty of FIFA. He should be in the Premier League but he couldn't get a work permit. Like he really is good, but he was awful. And I, I don't know if it was coincidence or if there's, if there is some sort of intimidation factor, you know, the union talked about it uh, a little bit. They kind of danced around it after the game. Um, but I have a couple quotes here. One, this one, I think we've been scared a little bit of the names that Miami had a dejected Daniel Gazdag said after the game, this is from the Philly soccer page. Uh, another one, maybe we showed them too much respect quote, Jim Curtin, Gazdag, Curtin, you know, the maybe their best player, their manager. Like, like I don't know. I'm not ready to say that this is an indictment on the league. I just think teams, they're, I mean, much, they're falling under some spell. I, I do think part of it, there is a deference to him. I mean, they try one, like nobody's really, maybe a few, a few players have tried to kick him around. But I've seen a lot of chatting like they're there when he falls over. There was like two or three hands to pick him up. Do you know what I mean? Like from opposition players, like they want to be around him. It's as if the, the, the game is almost secondary. They're like in, in some kind of a trance. They're in his thrall. He's also brilliant. So add he's, those two he, things. That, he's unbelievable. I mean, I, I, look, I didn't need this he's, experience he's to know that. He is levels above this league. It's, like it's crazy. Just, he just is. And we have to just we have to accept that. Well, we all knew that. He was levels above La Liga when he was playing there. Like, you know, so yeah, of course he's of course he's too good for MLS. Like that's I don't think that's an anti-MLS stance to take. He's the greatest player of all time. I mean, for God's sake. You know, he, like the thing that was frustrating for me as a union fan is like you kind of talk yourself into it beforehand and you're like, okay, like all these other teams that he's done done this to, like, yeah, whatever. But the union are different. Like, they're a great team, and they're tested. They've been in big moments. They have edge to them. Like, Jose Martinez is not going to – he's not going to defer to Messi. He's the most CONCACAF player in CONCACAF. He doesn't care. 
about who he's going up against. We're going to be different. You know, we don't lose in that stadium. No one beats us in that stadium. And then the game happens, and three minutes in, you realize, nope, we're just another prop on Messi's glory tour. That's all they were. That is the problem for, I mean, any team that faces him, like, it's so hard because if you go man for man, he's probably going to, He's going to burn. Like, do you do you do old school tactics and assign a man marker to him? Like what they used to try and do with Maradona. I mean, that just leaves space for kind of everybody else. Uh, he's I I can't cannot tell you just the levels. He's so far ahead of this of every single player in this league. Absolutely, so far ahead. Of course, but but again, it's me- like I don't think these are these are not revelations. It's effing Leo Messi, like he's the, the the things that are frustrating is just like I think we're learning now. I, I do think a little bit of a blueprint is being seen here. Like the union wanted, they came out and like Jim Curtin said, I think they were what, what was the exact word of that? that showed them too much respect. A thousand percent, five in the back, three defensive players in midfield. You know, like. They were just going to try to, yeah. And I know the union are not always like they, they like to play on the counter, though they defend, they'll let the other team have possession. It's been extraordinarily successful for them. No one has scored more goals than them over the last, what is it, three or five years. Um, so like it has worked, but I think we're seeing now that with this inter Miami side, you can't do that because they will break you down. You have to make them defend, you have to put pressure on them, you have to be aggressive going back the other way. And by the way, when the tables turned, and the Union were forced to have to try to play and make a comeback in this game. On a different night, they score three goals. I mean, for God's sake, Chris Donovan misses an empty goal. You know, Donovan, again, forces a great save out of Drake Callender. Uh, you know, the Union had, I mean, they certainly had their opportunities. They just couldn't convert them. So I think I think we're seeing that, like, that's what you have to do. You cannot just sit back and defend against this Miami team because Messi's no, going to think... do what he does. you got to attack. you got to go uh, at I, them. I... I agree with you, Andrew, but like when Messi does what he does, it's almost guaranteed to be a high level chance or a goal. Like that, he scored nine goals in this tournament. Nine. It's unbelievable. So, so what you're saying is correct. You do, like, because, like, there's no way you're convincing me, like, as good as Jordi Alba is, like, DeAndre Yedlin, Christoph, and Miller at the back. I'm like, you're not telling me that this is some kind of watertight defense and there's, there's absolutely no way through. You do have to do that. But you have to also realize if you commit numbers forward, Andrew, he's just he walks around and just looks for pockets of space, advantageous places to pick up the ball. And when he gets it, he will create a chance or he will score. It is nailed on. It was not nailed on in his last few years in Europe. It was and he still had put up great numbers. It is nailed on in this league. So you're you're gonna end up in 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 like a, a shootout scenario where you just hope you can convert more of your chances than they can. And it's probably unlikely that you will. Yeah. And that, again, that's what made last night from an Andre Blake perspective. So, so profoundly disappointing. Cause like on a night where he needed to be the best version of himself, which is a world-class goalkeeper. I firmly believe that he was as bad as he's ever been. Like it was the one thing that could, that could not happen was him to be terrible. And he was on, on the first two goals. I mean, it, look, if Messi's going to be scoring goals from 36 yards out or whatever it was, then like, then you got no shot. You got no. What was Opta Jack posted this 36.3. 
measuring 36.3 yards. Lionel Messi's 20th minute goal against the Union was his longest goal in a club match since a 38.8 yard free kick against Mallorca in 2012. Like that stuff, Joseph Martinez's goal. Damian Lowe just whiffs on a ball. And then Blake is just like giving Martinez way too much of the far side of the goal. Like you can't, you just, these kinds of mistakes you can't make. And it's it, like Philadelphia managed 16 shots in total, four shots on target. Inter Miami managed five shots in total, four on target, four goals. Yeah. When they needed to score, they did. And and that's the way they will be constantly. That's There's, the way they will be. They are, I, I, I Obviously, we knew they'd be good um, when when all these moves happened. Um, but I, I wasn't sure that they would be scary good so quickly. I, I, I mean, am I crazy for saying that, like, from watching this tournament, they're the best team in the league? Oh, um, yeah. I mean... I mean, if someone figures them out at some point, then okay. But up till now... The, they've I, got the best player in the league uh, by, by a country, by not a country, my by countries and countries of miles, the best player in the league. And he just can make, he can raise the level of that team so much. And they're just decent enough. Now, I mean, their charge for the playoffs is going to be interesting whether they can, they can actually do that. Um, but they're going to win the league's cup. Simple as that. They're going to win it. And Nashville fans raise an angry fist. Well, they can raise whatever they want down in Guitarland. They're getting beaten. <laughs> I mean, I, I think right now you probably have to be a crazy person to pick against Messi. So I, I would agree with you. Um, I will say I I kind of am looking forward to a, you know, <laughs> this is a weird sentence, but a Messi-Mukhtar matchup. I mean, Hani Mukhtar is spectacular. Maybe he was the best player in the league before Messi came and just shattered any any idea that it, that it could possibly be anyone else aside from him. Um, but yeah, like I've got a ton of respect for Nashville. I like the way they play. I think that, you know, I know that they were struggling coming into this tournament, but you know, when they're at their best, they're, they're a really good team. Um, and I think the world of Mukhtar, but I mean, how can, how can you think anything other than, than Miami right now? You'd be no, nuts. Miami. Thousand percent. Yeah. Um, one other quick note uh, before we move off of this: the union. I, I I do want to mention that I was going to say quietly, not so quietly. Boy, they're putting together an unbelievable resume of big game defeats. Just like three U.S. Open Cup finals, two of them at home. Remember, they got to the uh, MLS's back semifinal. They lost that Eastern Conference final against NYCFC. Now there is an asterisk with that when pretty much everyone on the team got COVID that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal versus Club America, MLS Cup final versus LAFC, CONCACAF Champions League semifinal versus LAFC, and then last night, League's Cup semifinal versus Inter-Miami. That's that's a lot. I mean, look, to get to big games, you have to win big games. So I'm not going to sit here and say that they're incapable of winning big games. I've seen them win them. But like when the lights are brightest, I don't know. I don't know if this... Like, I love Jim I mean, Curtin. I don't know if it's him, but if it's the way they play. Uh, I mean, they were beaten in an all-time, what's been put down as the greatest MLS Cup final ever, and they were desperately unlucky in that. 
I know. And in some of those, they weren't the favorite. Like, I don't think that in the CONCACAF Champions League semi against Club America, I don't think they were favorite. Even this one against LAFC. Yeah, it's unfortunate because their window to have done it might have been the NYCFC Eastern Conference final. Like, that might have been their year. And then the whole team comes down with COVID the day before the conference final. I mean, so who knows? But they better figure it out because people can laugh, roll their eyes, third place game, oh, the game no one wants to be in. This one actually is a cup final. Like the winner of this gets a, a spot in the CONCACAF Champions Cup and like people can make jokes or whatever, but the union for a team of, of their quality right now, they've got to be in that tournament. So mm-hmm. I don't care how deflating this was to get smacked at home by Inter Miami. They've got to pick up the pieces and get it together because they they have to win that game against a Monterey side that's already qualified for it. So like Monterey's not really going to be playing for anything other than pride, I guess. The Union have got to win that game. They've got to be in that tournament. I think that's a really important thing for them. Um, so like if you you know, as deflated as Union fans are and players are, if you told me that they're gonna have a do or die match to determine if they make it into the region's premier competition, I'd say let's F and go. Like, yeah, this is this is an opportunity that you want. So put all the inter Miami disappointment aside. They gotta pick it up and and find it for that game on Saturday. It's a big one for them. Um, so yeah, but the the biggest one, of course, is going to be the League's Cup final. What would you say, JJ? Now that you know we're we're almost at the end of this tournament, success? Did you enjoy this? I think it's been fun. I mean, Messi I mean, added more. a whole. Messi's added an element to this that like I, it's hard to judge it because it's just like this has been like a circus freak show. I know. I, I, <laughs> so I don't know. I I don't know either. Look, I mean the the. Don Garber and MLS are are hell bent on creating some kind of hybrid league between Liga Mekis and MLS to create this this money this revenue monster that it would be to get the eyes of uh, Mexicans Mexican and Mexican Americans north and south of the border. That's what they want. Messi makes that so much easier. Messi oh. makes that like he's just an absolute draw. Would I give? much of a care if he wasn't playing in it probably not i don't know the particulars of this but if they're going to do this every year or whenever they're going to do it i don't care some of these games some of these games have to be played in mexican venues of course can, this cannot be like a gold cup usa exclusive tournament i don't i don't want that i, no, I no, want no. i want you know th- this should be equal opportunity uh so that's one thing that i would say moving forward but i agree with you um Let's see. Before we get out, let's go rapid fire on a few other stories here, JJ. I know um, earlier today, Manchester United released a statement about Mason Greenwood that kind of made waves. Now, there was speculation that they were going to be bringing him back. Then they released a statement saying that while it seems like they've concluded their investigation, they are still not prepared to actually announce whatever their decision is regarding him. Now there's great speculation that he was going to be brought back and that people within the club have already been told that, but for whatever reason, maybe they're reconsidering. Um, Maybe they're, you know, I know that there's been some protests about the, the idea of him coming back. Um, But for the time being, they still, while many thought today was going to be the day where they made the decision at this moment, that has not happened just yet. No. um, So, so the statement was released around uh, 3.45 this afternoon in response to um, 3.45, uh, it would have been English time, I should say. It was a response to The Athletic, uh, who had a piece saying that they were ready to announce 
Richard Arnold, uh, the chief executive, was ready to announce that Mason Greenwood would be would be coming back into the Manchester United squad on August fourth, and then they delayed that decision. Um, and so this statement was a response to that. The statement itself, I think, is telling, and it feels like it's scene setting mm-hmm. in its in its execution. So I, I read it quickly. Following the dropping of all charges against Mason Greenwood. In February 2023, Manchester United has conducted a thorough investigation into the allegations made against them. This has drawn on extensive evidence and context not in the public domain, and we have heard from numerous people with direct involvement or knowledge of the case. Throughout this process, the welfare and perspective of the alleged victim has been central to the club's inquiries, and we respect her right to lifelong anonymity. We also have responsibilities to Mason as an employee, as a young person who has been with the club since the age of seven and as the father with a new partner. The fact-finding phase of our investigation is now complete and we are in the final stages of making the decision on Mason's future. Contrary to media speculation, that decision has not yet been made and is currently the subject of intensive internal deliberation. Responsibility ultimately rests with this uh, chief executive officer. Once made, the decision will be communicated and explain to the club's internal and external stakeholders. This has been a difficult case for everyone associated with Manchester United, and we understand the, st- the strong opinions it has provoked based on the partial evidence in the public domain. We ask for patience as we work through the final stages of this carefully considered process. So, I mean, you know, just even the, the we, have, we have responsibilities to Mason as an employer, as a young person who has been with the club since the age of seven, and as a new father with a partner. No, that 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 to me is uh, it's more than sympathetic. Well, it's, so it's, here's it, this is where it sets it it sets it up that there is there is uh, how should we put this um, sympathy and uh, maybe a willingness to to give him another chance. So here's where it gets weird, and I I've tried to. I've tried to do as much research on this as I can because this issue is so important. I don't want to get anything wrong. Um, so if anim- if there are animals out there, like I don't look, we're the ones hosting the show. We're the ones who should know and have the information. But I, I'm specifically saying now, if I'm getting something wrong here, I want to be checked on it, and I want people to to correct me because I don't want to get this wrong. And I'll read it out. I'll read out whatever corrections there are in the next pod. I promise you. But looking into it, so they talk about wanting to respect her with lifelong anonymity. And they mention Mason as a new father. Yeah. From what I found looking at this, I believe he got back together with her and it is their child. The two of them together. That that is correct. That was just born back recently in July. So I don't know if that adds levels of complexity to this. I mean, look, ultimately, well, listen, the charges were tro- were dropped. Right. Because the alleged vi- victim, not because there, there wasn't the Crown Prosecution Service weren't pursuing this. They were pursuing it and they were going to take it, but they had a lack of cooperation from the, ma- from, uh, the victim or the person involved outside of Mason uh, Greenwood. And they decided that they didn't have enough to proceed. So the problem for Manchester United uh in this is that we, we, last week we had the rumor that United were going to wait for their uh, 
w uh, for their players to come back from the English camp for from the World Cup and consult with them about what they they should do as regards Mason Greenwood. So instantly you had a slew of um, freaks on the internet. Let's call them that pressuring these players in the comments and on their social media to uh, to make the decision or to to vote in favor of of Greenwood's return. Yeah, that stuff is is unbelievable to me. It's it is that but fan that, that fans want that on their team. But United have bungled this um, badly because you know that statement is a response to the Athletics reporting, and we now know, or we know according to the reporting, that Ten Hag and the management are encouraging, um, or would be would be in favor of of Greenwood's return. Um, now it, the decision will be made above them, but I, I'm sure that they're. Their input will will count and will matter. It just seems as if all this stuff has been leaked about their process, and their process hasn't been very good. Um, and unfortunately for not unfortunately for Manchester United, because I don't really they're a massive institution, and I, like they know what the public heard and saw. What they what Manchester United does is culturally important. Yes, absolutely. And like in a situation like this, for me, like this stuff gets tricky because I can only go off of the evidence that I'm aware of. So what I'm aware of, I've listened to the audio tape and I've seen the photos. That's what that's what I know about the situation. So those two things for me, you can't play for my team anymore. Right. I'm not like if charges are dropped, fine. The legal system has has had its say. You don't you don't go to prison. You get to live your life. Um you can even continue to be a professional footballer, but you can't do it here. We can't have that. That would be that's that's with me having the evidence that I that I've seen. Manchester United have seen things that I haven't seen. I don't know how that influences them. I'm sure they've spoken to her to the victim. Well, they've of this already case. said, you know, they've kind of not to diminish it, but they they're suggesting that there's more to this, which means which makes me feel they're scene setting to explain the decision that we think they've been talking about anyway, which is to have him back. Well, I think a lot of this might depend like partial on partial evidence. It has partial evidence in the public domain. You know, um, this has drawn an extensive, our investigation has drawn an extensive and con uh, con uh, evidence and context, not in the public domain. You know, like it just feels as if they've been, they've been exposed as wanting Greenwood to come back, and that's that's got out in the media, and now they're scrambling to explain why this is this is this will be okay. Um, now the backlash, and and there is a lot of backlash from United fans online who don't want to see him back. Um, maybe that sways them back in the a different direction, but but the statement just feels like they're laying the groundwork for his return. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm guessing something is gonna something concrete. It feels like it's got to be coming soon, um, and when it does, I, I, we'll have more to say on it. I'm sure. I think what you said is correct. Manchester United are too important. They're uh, uh, as an institution, what they do matters now, and um, I think there's a storm coming their way. See the the pro the problem that they're in right now is that if they bring him back, it's under 
the, the pretense, the thought, the belief is that they're bringing him back because they he's good at soccer. Yeah. And nothing else matters. Maybe that, I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that is their reasoning. But like, if you're United, it may not be that simple. It may be like, I mean, it could be a decision that is about, okay, like, do we need to make a cultural statement here? And and if we do, he can't play for the club. If that's their number one priority, then I think he doesn't play for them. If it's if they spoke to her, which I'm sure they have in this investigation, and if she's back with him, they've had a child together, she might just want all of this behind her and them and their child. And she which might think right. that the best way for that to happen is is for him to just for things to go back to normal or what she thinks is normal. And so if they're if their priority, if United's priority is is to make a cultural statement, he can't play there. If it's to honor and respect the victim in this case, maybe that means that he does play there. But it's going to look, but it will look bad for them if that's what they do, even if they think they're doing it for what they believe is the right reason, trying to respect the victim in this situation. It's what I'm saying is it's it's is there's a lot of layers of complexity here. Um, like I said, for me, I don't know what their investigation has yielded because they haven't been transparent on it. They don't, it's not, they don't have to be, that's their decision. But then that means that we're all in the dark and we can only go off of the audio tapes and the photographs and they're not good. And like I said, if that's all I know, then I know he can't play for me anymore. I can't root for that guy as a fan and I wouldn't want him on my team if I was in charge. So that's all that's all I can go off of because I don't know what's going on in their investigation. I'm purely speculating by suggesting it's through conversations with her. I have no idea. I'd urge I'd urge everybody's not obviously not possible on a podcast to read out read out an entire article, but I'd re, I'd urge people to read um Adam Crafton's piece in the Athletic about this and the reporting done and just the way United have handled it and um and you know there's larger there's there's we don't have the scope or the time. There's larger questions about society and how we deal with people who have, who we know have perpetrated certain acts, regardless of what the courts, how, like what happens, like where can they work? What can they do? Like, is there reintegration? Is there rehabilitation? Are, are some things too heinous, um, allegedly too heinous for us to, to allow that to happen? Um, and that they have to be in, in, occupy some different form of 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 role in in community and in society that there's a huge conversation about yeah. that um but as an institution i think like it's it, united i i don't feel like they're getting this right because they haven't they haven't just been f- kind of forthright with everybody and and, and from the athletic piece uh, one of the things you read is how richard arnold was going to release a video statement like don't do that You've got to face up and take questions from the media. You can't just say he's back. This is what we found. And then and then that's it over because there's large sections of, of United support who just don't want this. No, not at all. Yeah, we'll see. I think a lot of, uh, honestly, I was going to say a lot of the league, a lot of England, I think a lot of the world is paying attention to what they do here. I think this story is, has kind of risen to that, to that level. Uh, so we'll yep. see. I, I got to think a decision will be coming soon. Um, let's see on to more mundane things before we get out. Just want to quickly roll through some of these, uh, Chelsea transfer rumors. They're not done yet. Pursuing Michael Elise from crystal palace palace are not happy. They think Chelsea have overstepped. Um, 
and crossed a line in trying to convince him. It sounds, uh, without knowing the exact details, Chelsea have apparently activated his release clause, and it sounds like they've been trying to convince him to leave Palace, and Palace have been trying hard to convince him not to, and Palace are, up to this point, have not officially filed any complaint over Chelsea's activity here, but it sounds like they're they're close, that they're, they've kind of been pushed to the brink. Um, boy, Chelsea just... Uh, they just keep on spending. Uh, now I know they they did finally sell ha- uh, Hakim Ziyech to Galatasaray, which I'm surprised that no one else in England was interested. Or I don't know that that's just not not where I thought he'd wind we up. Thought he, we thought he was going to Saudi Arabia uh, yeah, originally. That, but yeah, so, well, uh, originally originally it was PSG last January, but that fell through in the last second. Then Saudi we should, Arabia. Um, we should also notice uh, that uh, the Guardian are reporting that Liverpool have struck a, a £15.4 million pound sterling deal for Stuttgart midfielder Wataro Endo, Japanese midfielder, 30 years of age. Um, so that's an interesting kind of pivot from them, uh, especially after missing out on Caicedo and Lavia. Um, an embarrassing few days for Liverpool may end with them getting some kind of of midfield now a midfielder who's highly rated in Germany has done very well, but is thirty. Um, and Michael Kelly was tweeting about his stats, and he says Endo's stats are very very good because he plays every single game, and has done over the last few seasons. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, Liverpool need to get someone in. Um, this doesn't. So that's, that's it may wind up being great, but it doesn't. Certainly wasn't their first choice, and I think everyone no. knows. No, the way they've. Uh, Considering the perception of Liverpool under Michael Edwards' transfer policies versus the versus what's happened this summer, uh, towards the end of the summer, Liverpool they get it done quickly, quietly, early. Um, that has not been the case yeah. as regards the search for a centre midfielder. Uh, Amrik Laporte appears off to Saudi Arabia. We were wondering who the odd man out would be for Manchester City in that defensive uh, centre back area. Looks like it's going to be him. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, JJ, they've announced they're going to be playing two friendlies at where else? St. James's Park. Oh, um, imagine that. But imagine that. But don't forget, they gave assurances to the Premier League that they are not owned by the private investment fund of uh, public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. They are not owned by MBS. Let's be very clear about that. This is just a coincidence. You think Newcastle supporters, like remember in Qatar at the World Cup, you had like people from Qatar who it looked like it looked like they had been like paid to kind of masquerade as fans of certain nations. I think Newcastle fans are just leaning all the way in. I think they are they going to fill that place with Geordies? Oh my god, that would be pathetic. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so. I mean, if if they want to show their gratitude for their for their new overlords and the money that's being pumped into the club, maybe they should all turn up. It's uh, going to be on. Uh, they're going to face Costa Rica on September eighth and South Korea on September twelfth. Yeah, and the perfect venue for that is ah yes yes yes, the northeast of England, of yeah. course, of course. Saudi Arabia's home away from home. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, just want to close out. Uh, we talked on our last pod about Neymar. I'm sick of Saudi Arabia. Oh, well, I, guess I, what? I this to... is the Saudi segment. We're going to do one every week now. Uh, uh, we talked about Neymar heading there. Uh, and some reporting from AS has leaked out about uh, some of the, the details of his contract, JJ. 
it's it's unbelievable, but it's also not, I guess, if if those two things can coexist. Um, I'm going to read through some of these. This is in his contract, reportedly. He gets a house with 25 bedrooms. Uh, it includes a 40 by 10 meter swimming pool, three saunas, five full-time staff for his house, a Bentley Continental GT, also an Aston Martin DBX, oh, and a Lamborghini Huracan, uh, 24-hour driver, all bills for hotels, restaurants, and various services during his off days will be sent to the club headquarters to be paid. A private plane at his disposal for tra- uh, disposal for travels, 500,000 euros for each social media post that promotes Saudi Arabia, not to mention, by the way, his 100 million per year salary that he's making with this club. JJ, when I see things like private plane at his disposal for travels and all hotel bills and restaurants for off days to be sent to club headquarters to be paid, this to me reads like a guy who's going to be playing for a Saudi Arabian team, but has very little interest in spending much time in Saudi Arabia. I don't yes. think you ask for those things if you don't plan on being away a lot. I I mean, one of the big problems was he, apart from him getting injured around uh, springtime every year for the crucial Champions League games in Paris, he would just leave and go to Brazil. Just leave. I think he his... His air miles are the thing that's that's also going to skyrocket in this. He's, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, geez, I, you need some sweeteners to go and play there. You just do. Yeah, well, he got them. What would what would yours be? Um, to play in Saudi Arabia, I think I would want. You ever see Ducktales? How like Uncle Scrooge McDuck has like the that like vault of coins he can dive into. I would want that, except Doritos. I want just oh. a vault of Doritos that I can swim around in. That would be my ask. What would I want? God. See, how could I be in a country where alcohol is prohibited? <laughs> so, yeah. Like I'd ask them for something they couldn't do. I'll tell you what I want. I want a bar with Guinness. Unlimited supply of, of, of kegs from, from Ireland and not pasteurized. They're always pasteurized when they go abroad. Don't pasteurize them. I want them exactly how it tastes. And I want a barman from New York. Like huh. one of the, like a really good pro, old, old school guy. He's been in the game for years and years. And him there all the time. I think they do it. That sounds Actually, pretty mild. I want to, I want to import, I'm going to build around that. I want to import a dive bar from New York City. Okay. In my basement. And there needs to be people in it, so I'm going to have to. I, I'm going to have to get people to come out. Import friends. Import sure. friends. Which, There's no ask. I mean, when I see some of this stuff, no ask is too great. I think you could get whatever you wanted. Yeah, if you were, if you're mine good is, enough. Mine seems mild and kind of conservative compared to. I mean, I want a vault of Doritos. We're simple people. You'd eat your way out. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, JJ, I got nothing else. How about you? I'm done. I'm spent. Yeah, me too. Almost three hours of content for you guys this week. Yeah, what a week. What a week. The Premier League's back. I mean, this is how this is how it is in the early season. And we got Women's World Cup semis going on. Like, there's just a lot happening right now in this sport. Huge weekend, obviously. Women's World Cup final, League's Cup final. Uh, Premier League, Tottenham and, and uh, Manchester United in a big... Uh, big match. What is it? Is it City Newcastle? Is that also this weekend? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, what? Good lord! Like, have fun, everyone, with families. 
trying to explain to like your wives and children why you're just like completely absentee this weekend. Good luck. JJ to you, I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care, pal. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.